You're listening to New England Public Radio News. I'm Susan Kaplan, and this is The Short List, NEPR's Week in Review. Joining us today, Rick Hurst, publisher of the newspaper African American Point of View. So nice to have you here, Rick. Well, it's nice to be here. I am glad. And we're also joined by the Springfield Republicans, Ron Shamilis. Welcome back, Ron. Thank you. Good to be back. I am glad to have you here as well. So just to dive in, Springfield saw its 13th murder this week. That's just one short of the total for all of last year. And among cities in New England, Springfield only trails Hartford in the number of homicides. Boston, with four times as many residents as Springfield, has fewer murders, 11. Rick, what's going on here? Well, I I just think what's going on is the same thing that's always been going on. You've got a very poor neighborhood, uh, and you've got a very poor city now, and um, you've got a lot of gangs, and uh, these, if you examine these murders, you know, they're they're really located in very specific neighborhoods. They're concentrated in specific neighborhoods. Uh, this violence is, is, is it's endemic to neighborhoods like that all across the country. So it's really not something that um, has changed a lot over the decades. Is that what you're saying? No, what I think is that it's just getting easier for people to kill each other. Well, speaking of that, Mayor Sarno, uh, the mayor of Springfield, has been very critical of judges who he says set too low a bail for repeat offenders. And the Bar Association has come to the judge's defense. Here's the Hamden County Bar Association's Jeff Morneau, who says that pressuring judges to raise bail amounts won't make anyone safer. More likely than not, the prolific offenders are the ones that are going to have better access to the amount of money that they would need in the event that high bail was set. Ron, you wrote a column this week which suggests that a a public, this is quoting you, a public of cafeteria constitutionalists is rearing its head in this debate. What do you mean? Well, what I mean is that we hear a lot of people defending the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, I call it the rock and roll amendment of the 21st century, the gun advocates, but I don't hear a lot of people talking about the Fifth or the Eighth Amendments, and those are uh, amendments designed to protect accused people who are innocent until proven guilty. Those are not popular amendments, but judges are expected to honor them, and that's what the Bar Association, I think, is saying. If you want to blame somebody for this situation, you're blaming the wrong people. And I think that's true. You're blaming the wrong people. The judges have to follow the law and the the rules, and they're pretty clear. Uh, You can't just hold somebody because they're a repeat offender. Uh, If if, if somebody is is a risk of flight, uh, then you can hold them. If they're they're dangerous, uh, it's determined that they're dangerous, you can hold them. but you can't just hold them because you want, you want to get them off the street. Well, let me ask you this about that, because the mayor used very aggressive language saying that the Bar Association is, quote, fighting for the protection of violent, repeat, hardcore, gun-toting drug dealers and gang-banging offenders. You're a lawyer. What do you, what do you think of Sarno's comments? Uh, well, I think he's running for office. <laughs> That's what I think. And, and the, he's, he's, there's an uptick in his language on, on crime uh, that didn't exist before. That's one thing. But another thing, I think, is that he ought to be very, very careful because his language is, uh, is, is a kind of language that, um, uh, that can be misinterpreted. I don't think he means it in the way it might look or sound. 
But um, this business of, of, of expressing freely that he wants to go after gangbangers and, and, and all this stuff. I mean, that kind of language is, is so much like the war on crime of the past that we're all beginning to realize was a mistake. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially the business of keeping them in, in jail. Uh, we have filled up the jails and the prisons all over right. the country. And we've all di- we're all discovering all over the country that that is no longer that is not a good solution well, from California to Springfield. Speaking of solutions, Ron, what do you think can well, be done? I, I I'm more sympathetic to the mayor uh, than some people because I think his frustration is shared by a lot of people. But I think it has to be done in the legislature, and I think that's what the bar association is saying. If the laws and the rules are wrong, let's look at that. I think his comment about the bar association was very unfair because it made it sound like they're in cahoots with these drug dealers. They're not. But I think there are remedies to at least look at or other laws, but not in the way he's proposing. Okay, we're going to move on to the next question. We have just a little bit of time. So as we enter the July 4th weekend, federal officials have told law enforcement around the country to be extra vigilant because of a very high degree of what they call chatter about the possibility of a rogue domestic terrorist attack. Ron, how do you celebrate the holiday, and do the warnings change the holiday for you? No, because I stay home at our pool. I've invested too much money in our pool, and I think it's going to be pretty safe. This, <laughs> and, and I hope other people uh, go about their business. I don't know any other way to really approach the holiday and keep your sanity besides well, that. Having said that, Rick, the so-called global war on terror has lasted now more than a decade. So do you think concerns around the holidays and public gatherings like this are just the new norm? I think that it is a new norm. I think we have to always be diligent, especially around holidays, and especially around a holiday like the 4th of July. Uh, it, it's, it's too symbolic to ignore. Uh, it would be a real coup for ISIS or some related organization to be able to pull off a terrorist operation during, that, during this time. Uh, I don't think we ought to panic. Uh, I don't think we ought to r- run and hide. I think we ought to go about our business as normal. What about how we think about holidays? Do you think it changes the way we think about holidays? It's like the, like July 4th, pa- patriotism. Uh, I, I, I don't think so. I, I don't see how it should change the way we think about holidays. I mean, I just don't see any connection there. Right. Okay. I would say not yet. If there's something tragic that happens, I think that would be possible, and I think that would be very sad, but I don't think we're at that point yet. Right. So I guess what I'm saying is, you know, we're, we seem to be sort of on the edge waiting for something to happen. Is there anything we can do in advance of that to protect ourselves from not overreacting should something happen? Uh, to be frank with you, I think that we've already overreacted. <laughs> I think we've fed the, the panic uh, uh, with all the, all the noise in the news now. Uh, but I, I think that on a day-to-day basis, we've done an awful lot. Homeland Security has done an awful lot, uh, all the way down to the local police departments, uh, to make certain that we're, we're diligent, always on, I mean, our law enforcement people are diligent. We're always ready. Uh, but it doesn't mean you can change things that can't be changed. If somebody breaks through, some terrorist breaks through, Uh, You just have to respond to that breakthrough. Well, we certainly have been responding in small ways and large ways. I want to thank you both. Rick Hurst is publisher of African American Point of View, and Ron Shemelis is a reporter and columnist for the Springfield Republican. Thanks so much for joining us. You're very welcome. Thank you. And thank you for listening to The Shortlist, NEPR's weekly review. This is New England Public Radio. I'm Susan Kaplan. 